direct from Cape Gun Works in Hyannis. You're listening to Rapid Fire Radio with your host, Toby Leary. I'm Toby Leary from Cape Gunworks. I'm passionate about all things Second Amendment. While I love to shoot... Going hot. There is so much more to guns than just pulling the trigger. A free and armed society is a responsible and self-reliant one. Join us to talk all things guns, freedom, and self-defense. It isn't just about being armed... It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome, everybody, to Rapid Fire, your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense, sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Make sure you go check out all their good stuff. If you go to the uscca.co forward slash rapid fire, you'll get a very special deal from them. And you want to be a part of the USCCA. So, uh yeah, make sure you do that because you want the legal and financial protection that you need should you ever find yourself in the unlikely event of needing to defend yourself. But I would say the likelihood of defending yourself goes up with each and every day um, that we live on planet of Earth and the way things are in our world. So, Anyway, please don't forget to like and subscribe to all of our content on social, excuse me, social media. Um, the handle is at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio, all one word. Wherever you consume your social media, we are there and we are trying to stay relevant in an ever-changing world. <laughs> so um, putting out good content for you guys to participate in and interact with uh we do read the comments we don't always get to respond to them all because sometimes it's a little overwhelming but on the other hand uh we look forward to interacting with you all in wherever you find your social media or our social media feed the other thing is um as the live listeners to this show are so good about doing is they like and subscribe and share and comment uh, that helps us defeat the evil algorithm, which wants to keep us down and blacklisted and shadow banned from the public sphere. And as it is right now, we are out of commission on Facebook. They've taken us down and uh, for no good reason, for not viola violating their community standards, uh, they still took us down. So that's what we're up against each and every day. We're trying to work with a company right now that isn't on the same 
page as all those other ones that want to keep us down. Uh, so stay tuned for some exciting announcements about that. In the meantime, we're stuck with the good old-fashioned big tech that wants to, you know, make keep you from seeing our content. The other thing is uh, there's some great new tech that is not about censorship. And X is one of them. Uh, we've seen good growth on X. If you don't follow us there, please do um, and share it because it doesn't get the same kibosh like the other ones do. So there you have that. Um, so one other thing we have for those of you local um, and for those of you abroad, you can both participate in Rapid Fire Sunday edition every Sunday from noon to one. Last week was a little bit of a disaster. I want to apologize because I tried to play the Stephen Williford interview that we played a little bit on the end of this show last week. Um, but I was down in Fort Worth, Texas, so I couldn't do the live show. Um, so that was something that we were trying to pull off from long distance and it didn't work so good. Let's put it that way. But I, I presume you know, you guys heard it, even though there was some technical difficulties, but we will be there this Sunday from noon to one o'clock. And I'm excited about that. Um, and yeah, so live call in show on 95.1 news radio, WXTK. And on the iHeart radio app, you can stream it live. So that's, that's good. So when you need to know what's going on in the world, I try to bring it to you uh, once a week. I know that's not enough in, an, in a day and age in which we live in where news is instant and always in our face. Uh, I think um, one, of the, one of the things that broke yesterday was uh, one of my favorite artists, Toby Keith, passed away. Not only did he have just a wonderful name, uh, first name, uh, but he was a, I think, I think a awesome artist who had some of the best lyrics in the industry. They were well thought out. They were not your average, just here in my beer song, but they were, uh, some very unique. And, uh, I said on the Grace Curley show yesterday that my anthem in life has been, I should have been a cowboy, you know, <laughs> uh, that's kind of the, the, the big, the big, uh, song for me of, I don't generally perform in public on like karaoke or anything like that, but I've been known to do a couple, uh, Toby Keith songs at various occasions and outings. And, uh, hopefully, those videos stay private, <laughs> but if they ever go public, it'll, it'll be fun. Uh, but no, we lost a legend. So I apologize. Uh, I mean, I, his family's in my thoughts and prayers and, uh, I was pretty sad to see him go. Uh, I've really enjoyed his music over the years. Um, but jumping into the, uh, second amendment space, we were talking yesterday a lot after the grace curly show and i had to run um and we were we were talking about this bill 
the Senate Bill S-2572, which is really back to House Bill 4139 because it is a um, it was done as an amendment to 4139. So the Senate is trying to replace all the language of House 4139 with their bill or their amendment to 4139. And um, it's, we didn't really get to, to go in and out of the nuance of that. And um, we, we should talk about that a little bit. Um, I get a lot of questions. What does this mean for me? What's this going to do? And there's no good one answer to that because frankly, it's an omnibus bill, number one. So there's many facets to it. It involves guns. It involves training. It involves licensing. It involves where you can and can't carry. It involves, um, you know, some changes to the definitions. So there's, there's no like one thing you can point to and put your finger on on how it's going to trickle down and affect each and every one of us. But let's put it this way, that it's not a good bill. And the truth of the matter is that the, the bill will affect each and every one of us, whether we know it or not, and uh, whether we like it or not. Um, it's also going to be something that I think it's the gift that will keep on giving over the next five to 10 years. I know, I know, I know. Uh, but I don't see any other way around it because this bill can't be challenged. And, and I've, I've gone out on a limb and said that the state was very smart the way they did it. If you want to sow chaos into the Second Amendment community, don't just pass a bill about one thing. And there was 50-something other bills that didn't get voted on that were kind of single-issue bills. And a lot of the opponents to this bill were supported the ghost gun regulation, but didn't really support everything else and said that this should be a standalone bill. But they didn't do that because they knew they they could sow the most amount of chaos and the most amount of um, problems into this bill by doing a multifacet omnibus bill. So that's what they did. And I don't think there was any intent to make things better for the gun owning community. This is ex exactly like what happened in New York after Bruin. Um, they had the, I forget what they call it. The they, they tried to sell it as a better thing for the citizens, but it was way worse. It was like the Concealed Carry Improvement Act. That's what it was, CCIA, the Concealed Carry Improvement Act. But who did it improve for? It didn't improve for the people who want to conceal carry other than the fact that now they can't be told no. But that isn't what they did. It's what the Supreme Court did. So they're trying to say, oh, yeah, the Concealed Carry Improvement Act is going to be better for the people because we're going to 
allow you to carry now, but we're going to encumber you with all these other hoops to jump through. So other than the fact that you were an outright no before, and now you're a yes with all kinds of conditions, that's the only way it improved. But with all the conditions, it, you know, they wanted to search your so social media. They wanted you to subject yourself to all these other uh, psychological evaluations and, and um, you know, interviews, as well as, uh, you know, making it harder for you to get a gun by uh, longer testing requirements and live fire qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> the same thing is going on here. The state is trying to tout this as a modernization bill. In other words, they're saying, oh, technology's changed. You know, the law isn't working for us anymore because uh, criminals are finding loopholes and ways around. So they want to close all the loopholes. But I would argue that criminals aren't following the law by definition. So you should never punish the lawful for the evil and criminal acts of the cr criminal. That's ridiculous. And I I actually said it if for those who joined the show last week when I was on with Nick Collins, a, uh, I think he's from South Boston, Senator. And uh, I said, this is exactly like trying to solve the problem of drunk driving by making it harder for sober drivers to buy cars. There's no other explanation. It is the constant search of a uh, a solution in search of a problem. And you can't point to concrete need, uh, even if these were lawful, constitutionally lawful orders and laws, then you must show a concrete need for the law that if you don't pass it, you're going to destroy society by your lack of passage of the law. Um, none of this has that going for it. All they're doing is restricting the lawful acts of the uh, peaceful citizens of Massachusetts because of the criminal acts of a few. But I would actually take it one step further and say it's way more nefarious than that and say that they don't actually want to solve the criminal acts of a few by controlling the masses. Oh, no, 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 no. They know very well that this isn't going to solve jack when it comes to lowering the crime rate, making us safer, uh, putting violent felons away for longer periods of time, giving law enforcement the tools that they need to arrest and prosecute and put away bad guys. It does none of that, and they know it. They want a continuation of the erosion of our culture, the erosion of our society through violent crime so that they continue the erosion of your constitutionally protected rights. They know it. They do it on purpose. It is a willful violation, a willful deprivation of your right to keep and bear arms. And they do it anyway because they are protected by their qualified immunity or their legislative immunity. I would argue that the police don't have that protection. If they do violate your right, um, then they can be held 
personally responsible. And the legislature doesn't even care about that. The law enforcement association, the chiefs of police uh, association that backed this doesn't even care about their individual officers because they know that they could lose their qualified immunity if they carry out and enforce these unconstitutional laws, which create a serious problem for them under Title 18, Section 242, the deprivation of rights under the color of law. So it is way more nefarious by the legislature than they even pretend. And when I spoke to Nick Collins last week, some of you were on the live stream. Um, as soon as I brought up, you know, he 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 finally said, well, what am I going to do about ghost guns? What do we do about ghost guns? I said, there's already laws on the books for you to deal with quote unquote ghost guns. Because it sounds to me like what you're worried about ghost guns is the fact that they are being proliferated by the criminal element. That's what you're telling me. And the same thing is true for if you deface a serial number that falls under the ghost gun category. And so if a criminal is found with a defaced serial number on a gun, they can be put away for even longer than if they're just caught with a gun with a serial number. Um, so it's an add-on to the, to the sentencing. The problem is they never sentence them. They never add it on. So now, what are we going to do about the ghost guns? That's what they say. And I make the argument, the country was founded by ghost guns. And boy, did he blow a gasket. For those of you who were watching last week, uh, you'll know exactly what I was talking, <laughs> what I'm talking about. You heard him say, you're not going to do that bold bleep here. We're talking about the British. I'm talking about you're talking about the British. I'm talking about criminals. And frankly, tyranny's tyranny. Whether it's a bad guy that's living in your neighborhood that wants to kill you and take your stuff, or the federal government that wants to kill you and take your stuff. In both cases, resistance should, you know, be armed. <laughs> oh, man. We'll talk more about this on the other side. Uh, I... I haven't even scratched the surface of what I want to say about this. And then we'll get into a, the bill a little bit. Um, so don't go away. We will be right back after this. Carrying a firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary. Please like and subscribe on all of the social media content that we create. And spread the word far and wide to your friends, neighbors, enemies, family, and associates. And I would be forever in your debt. So thank you. Um, all right. So getting back to this, what really uh, tipped, ticked me off or tipped me off about this, whichever way you want to look at it, um, is 
there's an art, excuse me, an article today that came out about a Massachusetts FedEx driver that got a, get this, a six day, six day prison sentence for stealing guns from packages and selling them. So he stole guns when he recognized that it was a gun being shipped on his, his, I guess in his van. Uh, well, let's just read it. A former FedEx driver in Massachusetts days in prison months after pleading guilty to stealing and selling three guns from packages he was meant to deliver. The prison sentence issued last week was account, uh, accounted for time that Frank O'Toole, 40 years old, had already served in custody before he was released from jail. Um, I'd love to know what that is. Let me uh, let me see what that is. But uh and he was released from jail to await the resolution of his case. Uh, O'Toole of Middleborough was released, but will remain under a three-year supervision, according to the press release from the Mass U.S. District Attorney's Office. The U.S. Uh, District Court Judge Angle uh, Kelly further ordered uh, O'Toole to complete 250 hours of community service during his supervised release. Prosecutors had requested a 10-month prison sentence for O'Toole, who in June pled guilty to two counts of possession or sale of stolen firearms. According to a criminal complaint, O'Toole is accused of stealing three out-of-state packages containing firearms between October 2021 and June of 2022 while working as a FedEx delivery driver in Middleborough, located about 40 miles south of Boston. Two of the packages contained rifles, while the third contained a shotgun, President, uh, excuse me, federal prosecutors said. O'Toole later attempted to sell the three firearms to an undercover agent on two separate controlled purchases on August 9th and August 12th, according to prosecutors. Um, it doesn't say how long he served, which really irks me. O'Toole arrested and charged by criminal complaint in August of 22, subsequently indicted by a grand jury, and the charge of possession of a stolen firearm carries a maximum of 10 years in prison and a fine of up to 250000 So the fact that he had three counts, that's 30 years and $750,000. Acting Massachusetts U.S. Attorney Joshua Levy's office did not immediately respond uh, to USA Today's comment for request for comment. O'Toole is no longer employed by FedEx, the company said in a statement to USA Today. FedEx does not tolerate the use of its network for illegal activity. According to the statement, we fully cooperated with, author with authorities. So it doesn't say how long his time served was before he was released pending the outcome of his trial. But this right here speaks to exactly what I was saying, how the the bottom line is they don't want the problem solved right they just want the they need the problem to perpetuate the narrative that they need to do more for guns so it's like um it, it you know it is frankly just amazing how the uh you know, how we are held to a much higher standard than the government and uh, criminals. So 
peaceful people who aren't the problem must comply to a higher standard than government officials and the criminal element who doesn't, you know, they get six days in jail for intentionally stealing and selling firearms. And who buys firearms like that? It's obviously the criminal element, right? So those those firearms are being dumped into uh, a pool of criminal actors who are going to use them to further their criminal enterprise. And fortunately for the residents of Massachusetts, there was an undercover officer who was buying those guns, so they didn't end up into the criminal element. But that's obviously how they work. And the the net result would be a bunch of guns out on the black market and being used for evil intent. And guess who gets blamed for it the whole time? You and I, the gun owner. And so it's a rinse and repeat cycle that continues to happen. They always point back and say, see, this is why we need more gun laws. No, we don't need more gun laws. We need you to prosecute those who break the law and keep them in jail and throw the book at them. When they're facing 30 years in federal pen, don't give them a six-day sentence. It's, it's unbelievable. But that's exactly what happened here. They get a six-day sentence. Uh, it's, it's utter nonsense and uh, extremely frustrating because we're the ones that get blamed for all the bad stuff. Yet, I would argue that the federal government has more blood on its hands. The state government has more blood on its hands than the brick-and-mortar FFL who's trying to comply with every nuance of law that they can come up with and trying to ensure that the end user of those guns are responsible gun owners by providing training and education to the public at large. And yet the federal government, all they got to do is pass another law that makes the barrel pointed back at me and you, and then continue to have catch and release revolving door uh, justice system where we don't prosecute the evil actors who are breaking the law. So for that, I said all that to say this, that the they want to blame you and I, but really it's them creating the, the problem that needs to be dealt with and cleaned up on our streets, in our societies, in our neighborhoods, in our schools, and, uh, you know, in our municipalities. So uh, they, that's where their ineptitude, their, uh, their lack of integrity, their violation of their oath of office is creating a more hostile and uh, unsafe community than anything I could ever do because they don't deal with the root of the problem. That's the way it goes. And uh, that's the truth. So um, 
I'd love to hear from you guys sound off in the comments about everything I just said. I know that was a long rant. Uh, and when we come back, we'll get into the nuance of the bill as I know it, what I think is going to happen. And also, um, we'll take your questions. So we got a lot of ground to cover, uh, but I wanted to read that to you guys. Um, by the way, I have had guns uh, stolen that have been shipped to us. In fact, just very recently, we got a box, a FedEx or a UPS box that you could tell was torn open. We cut the tape, open it up, slide out a Smith & Wesson pistol case, open the Smith & Wesson pistol case, nothing inside. Close it down, you know, and there's a packing slip and everything else. So they just tore the package open, slid the box open, pulled the gun out, slid the box in, taped it back shut, sent it on its way, knowing that they get an extra couple days of head start to shake the authorities in their investigation. And, uh, you know, somehow there's not enough stringent laws on the books. Well, if laws worked, then there would never be drugs again on the streets. There would never be criminal activity on the streets. Laws are there to keep the uh, those who you don't need to worry about on the straight and narrow. And uh, everybody else who you do need to worry about needs to have the full weight of said law thrown at them so that they uh, can't continue to go on and cause problems. But anyway, all that being said, uh, we got a lot of work to do. And for anyone who can tell me that they don't know that when they pass laws like what they just did in Massachusetts, you got your head in the sand. They know full well that this is the only way to fully undermine your right to keep and bear arms. It's been working for 30 years. They have a narrative. They pound the drum. They go on the news. They go on media. They they pound the desk and you know use emotion to get people worked up into a frenzy and say, you know, the majority of Americans want background checks. The majority of Americans want gun safety. Well, no kidding. Everyone wants safety. The, the point isn't, that isn't what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is you stripping our right to keep and bear arms. All right. I promise we'll be right back after this. You're listening to Rapid Fire. I'm Toby Leary. Federal delivers a knockout punch with the leading defensive ammo on the market. Federal punch hollow points are accurate and reliable in all defensive situations. When you need reliability designed to provide a balanced mix of effective penetration and expansion, you need punch defensive ammunition from Federal, the leader in nickel-plated brass ammo with a sealed primer to deliver reliable feeding and ignition. Get Federal Punch Defensive Hollow Point Ammunition here at Cape Gunworks. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and you're listening to your weekly show, your weekly dose of sanity, all things gun, guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. So, uh, uh, Cam Edwards has an article on bearing arms about this guy who stole and sold the guns. And he is really leveling his sights at uh, the Biden DOJ. And, uh, you know, I want to know what would have happened if somebody in my company, or let's just say for a second, I was selling stolen guns out the back 
out the back door of my uh, my facility here. Do you think under the Biden administration's zero tolerance policy, which has it has been a total <laughs> a total embarrassment to the DOJ because they can't find true crime actually happening, so they're finding willful violations of um, you know administrative and clerical errors that result in zero criminals getting guns and guns going missing and guns being sold illegally, et cetera, et cetera. But there's still revocations are up 500% in you know the last couple of years under the Biden DOJ. But we got guys selling stolen guns that get six days. What would happen if I was selling stolen guns out of my shop? I promise you one thing, the sentence would be stiff, it would be long, and it would be touted in the national news media as, uh, you know, they would, you know, they would love nothing more than that headline of gun dealers selling guns out the back door and, you know, gets the book thrown at him. I, we talk about it a lot on the show, but uh, there was a guy, Mejia, his, his name, he was a police dispatcher in Florida for like 12 years, good career, and the chief thought highly of him. He always showed up for work, did his thing, and he was a licensed gun owner in Florida. He had his own, he had a permit to carry. He also had NFA items, suppressors that he paid $200 taxes on and waited a long period of time. And he had a range at his house in the backyard, in the back 40, if you will, where he would shoot his guns. And he created a illegal SBR. He knew what he was doing, but he put a stock on his pistol, his CZ Scorpion pistol. And he's like, look, I've already paid a couple, you know, $400 in taxes. And uh, this thing's just for my own personal use in my backyard a complete and utter victimless crime and nothing was stolen. No background checks weren't done. No illegal person owned the gun. And the FBI's anti-terrorism task force put a whole sting operation on this guy, an illegal alien who was fighting deport deportation uh, and trying to proffer information to the FBI so that he didn't get, charged and deported for his criminal activity, um, went undercover, wore a wire, and took pictures of the said offending, illegal, arbitrary SBR. And that guy is doing 21 months in federal penitentiary. A complete and utter victimless crime. Nobody was harmed. The gun never even left the premises of his private property. And yet, this guy selling stolen guns that he stole gets six days. The police dispatcher guy gets 21 months in federal pen. Unbelievable. 
six days. There are states with waiting periods longer than the amount of time O'Toole spent behind bars for his crime. In fact, that six-day sentence was essentially the amount of time he served between his arrest and bonding out of jail while he awaited trial. While the judge in this case may have been responsible for O'Toole's sentence, it was Joe Biden's Justice Department that worked out the plea agreement with the former FedEx driver. O'Toole pled guilty to two counts of possession or sale of a stolen uh, firearm last June. In handling the case, uh, they recommended a 10-month sentence, though uh, he ended up doing uh, six days. Uh, it goes on to say, I doubt anyone from Biden's White, White House Office of the Gun Violence Prevention will utter a peep of protest over the kid glove treatment of O'Toole by the DOJ. They're too far focused on finding new and inventive ways to curtail legal gun ownership to concern themselves with how the administration goes after gun thieves who try to dump the purloined products on the illicit market. But if Biden was serious about reducing gun violence, he'd fire the U.S. attorney who signed off on this deal and su suggest that O'Toole be sentenced to just one twentieth of the time he was eligible to receive. Instead, Biden has declared the firearms industry to be his enemy while turning the D ATF and the DOJ uh, on into federally financed gun control groups with law enforcement powers. Smoke marijuana as a gun owner? The DOJ will prosecute you to the fullest extent of the law and put you in prison for almost four years. Own a pistol brace stabilizing device? The ATF says that probably makes any pistol it's attached to a short-barreled rifle. And unless it's registered with the government, you could be heading to prison for up to 10 years. Steal multiple firearms from the back of your delivery truck and sell them on the black market? No biggie. Just a minor infraction. It's not even worth a year behind bars, according to the Justice Department. Now, I would say also that that is way more um, harmful to society than, you know, you, somebody who's been vetted and you trust to deliver goods and services is way worse than the average scumbag who's already committing robberies and break-ins and stealing stuff. So somebody who stole it from the house is bad, right? It's a horrible crime and they should do a long time in jail for stealing guns from somebody's house. But here's somebody who has the trust um, of the their company and the people that have hired them to uh, to deliver those things, you know, shippers and receivers alike. And there you go. It's, you know, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, but yeah, and uh, ASD says it's a two-tiered justice system. It's a lot more than two. Yeah, it is probably a multi-tiered justice system. All right, enough about that guy. Um, enough about that. Let's look at what happened in on February 2nd, a week or so ago. On February 1st, this is I'm reading from the Goal website. Uh, on February 1st, late in the night, hours after secret backroom negotiations, the Massachusetts Senate passed their version of the House bill. Goal will work on a summary as soon as the official language is available to the public. 
The very first thing that people need to know is that nothing in either version is enforceable until a final version is signed to the governor. I want to speak to that a little bit um, because if you, you know, my shop, I've been getting calls, texts, emails, private messages, et cetera, et cetera, like, oh my God, am I going to have to give up my guns? First of all, I'm sad for you that you would ever consider giving up your guns because good men, patriots, our founding fathers not only bled and died, but killed for the right to keep and bear arms. I want you to think about that. They didn't just personally bleed and die. They went on the offense and killed to bring you and secure you the rights that are inalienable. They're unalienable. They can't be attached. They can't be taken away because they're not given to you by man. But they wanted to secure that for their children and their children's children, generation, generation to come. And when the Redcoats came to take the ghost guns at Concord and Lexington, they, they literally shot them in the face. And now a bunch of Redcoats get together on Beacon Hill and put together unconstitutional laws all the while committing malfeasance in their official capacity and breaking their oath of office while doing it. And people say, am I going to have to give up my guns? You don't understand how this works. You think of guns as a privilege, not a right. And if I could do one thing today, it would be for you to change your paradigm, have a paradigm shift into thinking that rights don't come from man where they can be taken away when tyrants get together behind closed doors and come out and pound a podium and try to sell their evil acts as safety and emotional uh, gaslighting, because that's what they're doing. They're gaslighting you and they're making you feel guilty for wanting to own a gun. And they're gaslighting you when they say, nobody needs a weapon of war and nobody needs an assault weapon. Nobody needs 30 rounds or a hundred rounds. That's all gaslighting. That's what they're doing. And yet rights are unalienable. They are inalienable. You can't put attachments on them. You can't put conditions on them. You can surrender them if you surrender your guns. You can surrender them if you make yourself unqualified. How do you make yourself unqualified? You do evil with those things. Then the right is stripped from you. That's the only way. That's how our founders uh, set this country up, right? So how do you have your rights stripped away? You go and you're incarcerated. 
That's the way people's rights should be taken from them is by incarceration. So if you threaten somebody or you kill somebody or you commit mayhem or you harm somebody else, you have violated your rights. Um, this goes back to the dawn of time with the eye for an eye, the tooth for a tooth. That's what that means. It's so that when somebody uh, steals your goat, you don't give them the death penalty. You have them restore fourfold your goat, right? That's what it is. The, they restore what they took, and then they have to give you more because of the evil that they committed. So all that, all that being said, don't look at your rights as a privilege. Now, I know we've complied with unconstitutional law, and that's something that we all have to reconcile with in our, our minds. We have complied. We all fill out a 4473. We all pay the $200 tax stamp. We all, you know, get our license to carry. We get fingerprinted, photograph, background check, pay a fee, do all the unconstitutional stuff so that we can participate. And the reason we do that is so that we don't uh, end up in jail, number one. Number two, uh, as the conversation starter about why we need stiffer laws. We do it because we want to partake in freedom, even though we're going about it the wrong way. The good news is things have shifted and the Supreme Court has acknowledged that the right to keep and bear arms has become a second class right in a lot of ways. And now it has to be treated the same. So if the legislature can't stand up there and take away your freedom of speech, if they can't stand up there and take away your right to peacefully assemble or to petition your government or to uh, worship wherever and however you want. If they can't do that, then what gives them the right to infringe upon your constitutionally protected right to keep and bear arms? They don't have it. There's constitutional limitations. They lack the power. They lack the authority to do it. They do it because they have the power, unfortunately. And it's called an abusive power. It's it's unfortunate, but they abuse their power every day. And yeah. So anyway, we're going to get to your questions after this. We'll talk a little bit more about the bill and get to your questions um, because it's really important that we dig into it a little bit about what that means. I've got a lot of people asking me about when I that there and said, I shall not comply. What does that look like going forward with this bill that has passed? And we'll answer that on the other side. I'm Toby Leary. You're listening to Rapid Fire. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire. I'm your host, Toby Leary, and thank you for all those who participate, and uh, you guys are awesome. The chat's been on fire the last few weeks. I appreciate everybody who contributes to the show and, and talks on the chat. And um, 
likes and subscribes. That's another uh, amazing thing that you guys do for us here at Rapid Fire. Um, so let's uh, let's jump into it. The lat oh um, yeah, real quick. I just want to close the 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 conversation about the Massachusetts anti two A bill. Um, so the governor needs to sign it. The Senate lay oh. If for those of you who've been saying it doesn't matter what we say or do, they're going to do whatever they want to do. I want you to look at the Senate bill. And if you look at the first ver the first version of H4139 or when it was HD 4420, it is a vastly different bill. So your calls have worked, your emails have worked, your Letters have worked and your trolling on social media has worked. The other thing that they are deeply concerned about is losing everything as far as Massachusetts is concerned. Um, they realize that they have incited a much more organized army of people that are going to fight against anything that they are doing, whether it be in the courts, whether it be just donating to FPC or GOA or Second Amendment Foundation or uh, Nagar or Goal or Com2A. And the people are take their rights very seriously. So I had one person call me, I'm not going to out who it was, um, and say, you know, I'm a little nervous because Massachusetts gun laws work and that's what makes us very safe. And I rolled my eyes and I, I just continued to listen. And they said, so the, you know, we're going to create law that's going to be challenged and it might make our assault weapons ban go away. It might make our licensing scheme go away. It might make, so they're very nervous about what the future holds when it comes to the second amendment in Massachusetts. And I said, I, once I let them speak, I said, let me tell you something right now. There's no doubt about it. They have, you know, as Chuck Schumer uh, said, they have brought, about, brought on the whirlwind. Uh, there is going to be a flurry of activity. And if the lower courts don't do it, the Supreme Court will. Uh, and that is the Heller Bruin mandate will be the the way that all two A cases must be tried in the future. We've already had a couple inferior courts not do that. The appeals will go up, and like the one in the mass assault weapons ban, the you know the idiot district judge say, sailor who said that an assault weapons ban is consistent with our history and our tradition and our laws as they were in uh, 1791. You can't point to another ban like it until the last 20, 30 years. So it's a bunch of bull crap. But anyway, the law, the, the truth of the matter is they know their time is short. That's why they're doing uh, delay, 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 and chaos. So chaos into it. So I would say that you're Calls, emails, and letters have worked because it's not the bill that was originally introduced. 
Um, so that's one thing. Uh, there's still a bunch of concerns about what did happen. Um, the amendment to H4139 will go back to the House for their approval of the new language, or if they don't accept the Senate's bill, they will vote on that. And uh, the committee members will be assigned by the House and Senate. I'm sure Michael Day will be one. Cindy Cream will be the other on the other side. And then they'll fill in, you know, Bruce Tarr will probably be on there and a couple other people. But um, the bottom line is uh, we're not going to have friends on the on the committee that's going to hash out the details of this thing. Um, all work and discussions done by a conference committee are done in secret. Um, the public is not allowed to listen, to watch, or even know how things are proceeding. Um, I'm not sure that that work isn't already being done and, you know, a lot of their backdoor backroom deals. I'm sure there's already discussion about that and they probably already know which direction this is headed. But, you know, we haven't heard anything about it. And uh, all of the House language and all of the Senate language is in play. So it's they can uh, create new language as well. But for the most part, I think they're going to deal with the two bills, reconcile those rather than create new language. But if the conference committee comes to an agreement, the agreed upon bill will go back to the House and Senate for a final vote. And then uh, if there's no debate with the final vote, no further amendments, it goes to a yes or no vote and then up to the governor's office to be signed into law. I believe the House bill had 180 days uh, to from the time the governor signs it to be implemented. And I think the Senate bill is 90 days. So even the how many days we have if the governor signs it after all the conference committee work, um, there's, there's that. So uh, there's a little bit of I would say we have between anywhere from four to eight months before you must comply. <laughs> and I say that tongue in cheek because I really hope that we grow some, you know what, or get some intestinal fortitude and stand up and say, no, nope not going to do it. And then, you know, like you look at Illinois, they have mass uh, resistance now to their assault weapons ban. Uh, so that's good. Um, all right, let's get to the chat. Uh, I want to, I want to really um, give you guys plenty of time. We got the second hour. I don't have a guest. So we're going to talk to the chat as well on that because um, I, I think it's important to really answer as many questions as I can on this show. Uh, so that's what we're going to do. California, Mike White is in California. We had our right to buy ammo without a background check and have it shipped to our home, put on hold. Yeah, you had another Freedom Week, Mike, it sounds like. And um, the the... For those of you who don't know what he's talking about, uh, the Southern District of California, St. Benitez, ruled that the 
background check on ammunition is unconstitutional and he let it rest at that he didn't stay his own decision so right after he ruled on it um people could buy ammo online they could have it shipped to their door and then finally the state had it uh enjoined i believe is the right word or uh you know stayed pending an appeal by the state um california is really doing the stall tactic the stall game really well and unfortunately that's that's the way it is they're just they're just playing uh stall 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 delay 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 and the reason for that is they're hoping that someone else will get replaced on the supreme court under the biden administration and they can put on another katanji jackson brown type of person that will sway the makeup of the court and uh you know at least be uh four to four with a tiebreaker um but we'll see what happens uh, by the way, you can also contact the show here on the phone if you want to call. It's 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120, and I'll I'll get that ticker going there. Um, so, yeah, feel free to to do that. Um, give me a call if you want. Uh, but let's get back to the comments. Um, Let's see. Anne Marie finally made it live. Good to see you, Anne Marie. And uh, when will the next roster update be? I have no idea. Hopefully soon. Um, oh, we haven't even talked about this, but there are some new additions to the target shooting roster. Um, that is a good way for companies to do the end around um, on the to the approved weapons roster um i'll i'll read to you uh i'll read to you what were added and um massachusetts is supposed to update this list four times a year the new list came out uh in i think it was december uh yeah december 2023 it was amended once, and the new guns on the list are some uh, the Meta MC9, so the Canic Meta in the small, the compact version was added, which is huge. The 509 midsize, um, which was already on the list, I don't understand why that got added. The 5.7 MRD, um, so that's the FN 5.7 in the optic ready edition. Um, the henry came out with two pistols um two revolvers i should say one with a bird's head grip and one with the gunfighter grip and uh they're both 357 magnums and i gotta say i'm a little disappointed with that gun uh the henry um <laughs> the henry uh revolver i i would i would say henry makes such a beautiful lever action gun that I think the uh, Henry revolver, it harkens back to like an H&R or um, it, it reminds me of an H&R basically is what it looks like. Um, I don't know if I can drop that image in the chat, but I'll try. Um, it probably won't work, but 
anyway, the long, long and short of it is that's a that was a pistol that got a got added to the list that I think is not going to be a heavy hard seller here in mass. Then the big one that dropped that was huge was the Staccato C2. Staccato finally tested a gun for Massachusetts. Uh, I think it, it was a brilliant move on their part. I know a lot of you were really pumped about that. And um, so that's huge. That's a, they're going to, it's a wait and see. So if it does well, they'll, they'll test the rest of their guns as well. And then there were two revolvers from Taurus. We already had the 856 in 38 special. So another variant of that, they have now three different models, of the 856, the model 21, the 29 and the 39. And also they tested the 605, which is a 357 Magnum. So now we can sell a 357 made by Taurus. But what I wanted, I said all that to say this, and sorry, I'm taking the circuitous route. Um, a bunch of Colts were added to the target roster. So the four inch Python is one of them. A lot of people were really hot to trot to get the four inch Python. And a, a bunch of the Gold Cup National Match 1911s were added, the Gold Cup Trophy. Um, and also the King Cobra Target. So it's a four inch. Uh, adjustable sight King Cobra, Colt King Cobra, and the Colt Anaconda target in the six inch and eight inch barrel were added to the uh, to the roster. So that's huge. Um, I love to see that. I love to see them get away with doing it on the target shooting roster, so they don't have to spend all kinds of money on arbitrary testing for something that is in, you know common and ordinary use are you ready for another rapid fire all right so jc uh what's going on with the grandfather clause if any and if there isn't one what do you do with my what do i do with my ars i think you heard what i said earlier do not comply if you ask me that's the best way to go if we all stand together however um apparently there's an amendment that was signed into law I mean, that was uh, passed with the bill because the Senate version didn't have any grandfathering. But there was an amendment that gives us the ability to keep what we possess prior to 2016. So this is funny because the original bill was prior to 1994. The, well, the HD 4420 was nothing then they said uh, they have a legacy provision in that. And then uh, they tried to argue that that meant it's a true grandfathering and you can buy and sell as long as it was in the state after that date or prior to that date. And now the House, the Senate said no, no grandfathering provision. And then they passed an amendment that says anything prior to 2016 is okay. So what about all the guns that were sold from 2016 till now? I would argue that they're in the millions of long guns. And they've also added this barrel extender as an evil feature. So if you have a muzzle brake or a flash hider on your gun, 
technically it's a barrel extender. So I guess you're now an assault weapon. And that means that if you had bought that assault weapon after 2016, what do they want you to do? They don't tell you. There's no legacy provision for guns purchased after 2016. I hope this makes the final cut in the bill. And you're like, what? What are you crazy? No, I hope it does. Because I don't want people to be like, oh, okay, at least I get to keep what's mine. No, I want it to be a oh my God moment that wakes up 600,000 people in the state of Massachusetts. That's what we need. We need 600,000 people saying, what? Are you nuts? You want me to turn in my gun? You want me to, you want to come take my gun? How ironic in the state that the country was founded in or the workings of the greatest country on earth started in Massachusetts has almost the exact scenario shaping up for a showdown where the Redcoats will be coming for your guns if you bought it after 2016. That to me is incredibly ironic and incredibly, uh, you, you know, the saying like those who don't learn their history are doomed, doomed to repeat it. Right. Well, if there's ever a case where history could repeat itself in Massachusetts, I think this is the, this is the one, um, it's, it's really uh, interesting how it's all, how it's all coming, coming together. So back now. yeah. All right. Let's see here. Uh, drop the gun of the week and do a break of the, uh, what is that? <laughs> do a beak of the week. Oh, I'll go undefeated. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Cockroach. You're such a, such a, uh, you, you know, you're, I'm so flattered weekly <laughs> reading your comments. Bunch of traders at all levels of gov government, I agree. Uh, they're nuts if they expect us to ask permission uh, to add a red dot or even clean our firearms. Yeah, you're right. There's all kinds of weird language like that. Uh, so we'll see, see what happens. Uh, did I just correctly read that the House bill that it would make it so you can't own guns if you live in a rental property unless property owner gives written permission. Yeah, there's certain language about that. I don't know about owning, but you're not allowed to carry a gun on private property unless the property owner gives you position uh, permission in the original house version. Um, so anyway, uh, I've heard people say that they actually can't get homeowner, homeowner's insurance if they proffer that they have a gun so we'll see i uh, i'd be shocked that they can get away with that but also i think uh there was a law that got just ruled unconstitutional about uh like townhomes and whatnot in some state that where they were trying to say that you know the 
HOA can say that you can't own gun in your townhome or your condo or whatever. And that was ruled unconstitutional. So uh, let's see. Um, howdy from inside the store. Aaron saying hi from shopping in the store. Very cool, Aaron. I appreciate that. So he's in there. He's over there shopping while I'm in here flapping my gums. So I appreciate that. Um, what I don't understand is that if they are going against the Constitution, why would we have to sit back and allow it to happen? It's treason. Um, I agree. And, you know, everybody has to reconcile their level of risk. Um, so there's some people that are very risk averse that, you know, I've heard from and they've talked to me uh, and said, oh, Toby, you know, this really makes me nervous about, um, you know, this passing and, you know, what am I going to do with my guns, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to comply because I'm a fill in the blank. I'm a lawyer. I'm a physician. Um, you know, if I get in any type of trouble, I lose my my license or I lose my uh, insurance coverage through, you know, some sort of uh program if you're deemed of a, a, a felon or a criminal you know you can't operate on people you can't practice law etc cetera, etc cetera. so everybody's got a little a different risk tolerance so um yeah so you you all got to kind of come to your own reconciliation of your level of risk risk um Fake buzzwords, ghost guns, assault weapons, high capacity, all political BS. And I would agree, U.S. Grant, it is it is exactly that. It is a, um, it's a buzzword and it's a, uh, it's a made up term to conjure up fear in the everyday people in society. That's really what it comes down to. Um, so they... They want to uh, make it harder for you and I to buy guns because of their emotional buzzwords and whatnot. So anyway, that's what we have to look forward to. Um, one more break, and then we're going to be right back into the chat and get to your questions. If you want to be on the phone with me, it's 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. Uh, I'm going to play the gun of the week video for you which is the same as last week <laughs> but i was out of town so i didn't get a chance to record another one and my videographer was also um not well so he couldn't film a new one so we just let it go for another week so enjoy i'll be right back i'm toby leary cape gunworks here and it's time for another rapid fire radio gun of the week this week's Gun of the Week is none other than this space-age polymer-looking... Is it a ghost gun if it's from space? No, just kidding. No, this is not a ghost gun, and it isn't from outer space, but it is a really cool gun. It's the FN PS90, and what kind of made this famous is, besides its ergonomic looks here, the 5.7 cartridge was in the running to replace the 9mm NATO round for a while but uh, they ended up sticking with nine millimeter 
and the Secret Service uses the P90 version of this, which has a very short barrel. It comes right out past the end of the uh, stock here, and it is a full-auto machine gun that the Secret Service uses, and they have them in those shoulder harnesses that hang right here, and if it goes down, they have a gun at the ready. So what's neat and interesting about this gun is it's fully ambi controls. You have a, a charging handle on both sides. You can access the safety from both sides and also the mag release from both sides on top. And as you can see, the magazine goes in on top, which is kind of interesting. Um, this is the 10 round version for places like Massachusetts. And in a free state, you can get a 50 round mag. So one thing that's really cool about the 5.7 in the PS90 mag is the rounds stack horizontally. So the first round goes in perpendicular to it, and you can see this follower is at a 45 degree angle there. So it's kind of neat. It'll turn the round as you load it. So the first one goes in straight, the next round goes in and it pushes that round below it to the 45. And then the third round turns it again even further to be 90 degrees to that first round that you put in. So that gives it a lot more room. That's why the magazine can hold 50 rounds in a free state version of the gun. Oh, and the takedown of it is amazing. So you just push this button right here, slides right out, and your bolt carrier group comes right out. And then on the back, the butt pad comes up and your trigger pack comes right out. So that's it. It's real easy to clean, real easy to uh, take apart real easy to put together and maintain and whatnot. This gun is a very soft shooting gun. It doesn't have much recoil at all and it's a pleasure to shoot. So uh, you got to check out the FN 5.7. I've always been a huge fan of that round and the PS90 is the carbine that was originally designed to shoot that. Some other companies have come on board and make a 5.7 uh, carbine as well, but just a neat gun. Uh, it has Picatinny rail on top so you can mount a red dot optic. It also has a little peep sight in the back of the Picatinny rail that you can see through and there's a front sight post here so you can still use an iron sight, but most people put a red dot on it and there you have it. It's this week's gun of the week, so check it out. Go to our website rapidfireradio.us, scroll down to gun of the week, Click on it and use GOW at checkout to get a very special deal off this week's Gun of the Week. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you on Rapid Fire Radio. All right, welcome back. Toby Leary, your host. This is Rapid Fire Radio, and it's your weekly show, all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And I appreciate you guys being here. And let's go to the phones. Hello, you're next up on Rapid Fire. How are you today? Hey, Toby. Don up in Stoughton here. Good to see you, Don. How's everything going? Oh, so far, so good. I wanted to jump in on the um, decision by Justice Saylor and point out a few areas where he was wrong. Now, 
there's a dictionary called Bovier's Law Dictionary. It is the dictionary of Congress to understand words, laws, etc. And therein are called the maxims of law. This is how you understand the common law, how to apply the law to common law. One of the phrases is, the lesser is included in the greater. Well, let's look at the Second Amendment. It says a well-regulated militia being necessary for the security of a free state. Well, wait a second. That is the greater. The militia is the most important thing in the Second Amendment. Well, that means then, Toby, that all other firearms and possession and use thereof, which are lesser to the militia, are also included in that right. So if you possess firearms that are suitable for the militia, you can also possess firearms that aren't suitable for the militia. Mm. So the, this idiot judge, sailor, does not understand the law because he quoted the Miller ruling. Now, I've read the Miller ruling. I read the original Miller ruling, for, uh, ruling from Arkansas. And what it was is that Mr. Miller, who was a bit of a gangster, decided to use the Second Amendment to uh, fight off the 1934 NFA law. Well, at the Supreme Court, the justice says, well, you might have a valued argument here, but can you provide more judiciary evidence of your argument? Well, Mr. Miller was silent because he wasn't there. So the Supreme Court remanded the lawsuit back to the Arkansas District Court for Mr. Miller to provide more material, more evidentiary material. Sadly, he died in the interim. So if you look at the Miller case, Toby, it's open-ended. There is no ruling. Mm. The only opinion is, is that Mr. Miller is still required to submit more evidence that a sawed-off shotgun was part of the ordinary military equipment or could provide for the common defense. And Justice Saylor and every other judge says, well, it's been ruled that sawed-off shotguns are not protected by the Second Amendment. Well, they're absolutely wrong. I've read the rulings, the opinions, and it's open-ended. They're just waiting for somebody to come up and say, hey, you know, yeah, these, these shotguns, they're used by the military, World War One, the Winchester pumps, etc." Sawed-off rifles, all this stuff is ordinary military equipment or could be used for the common defense. Mm. Now, th this is just ludicrous. And then lastly, when they say uh, they're talking about traditions as of 1791, what were the gun regulations, etc. Toby, when the Second Amendment was ratified, all those traditions were wiped out because now the Second Amendment supersedes any federal or state regulations regarding firearms. It's just that clear. I, I don't understand, but I had to jump in and, and clarify this. Yeah, no, I appreciate that, Don. Um, I think you're, you hit the nail on the head as always. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're in the minority these days and uh, Congress thinks that they have the power and the right to erode our rights through whatever um you know bill that they stand up in the in the rotundas there and and want to pass and it, nothing could be further from the truth uh, i would love for them to comparatively try to pass a bill that said 
you now need to have a license to go to church or you now need to have a license to peacefully assemble or you need to have a license to protect yourself against, you know, Fourth Amendment illegal searches and seizures and uh, see how far they get and, you know, see the out, outcry of the public. But yet they've they've allowed it to happen on the one right that says shall not be infringed. No, you're exactly right, Toby. But again, I've always stated that because of constitutional limitations, as affirmed by James Madison, who wrote the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, what is not privileged for government to act upon is completely prohibited. And you gotta you gotta punch them right in the eyes and, and everybody who's listening to the show, when you're talking to your representative, a senator, a police, or anyone, ask them, tell them. Where can you point to me in the Constitution you have the privilege to enact a gun law on a citizen who is sane and lawful? Hmm. Show me. Pursuant to what section, what chapter, what article? Point it out to me. And they'll come back and they say, well, it isn't there. Well, then argue with James Madison. Hmm. Madison will tell you you have no authority then. Right. Yeah. Great point, Don. I appreciate the input as always. Thank you, Toby. Thank you, man. Thanks for uh, listening. We'll talk to you soon. Uh, and whoever called while I was on with um, with Don, by all means, give me a call back. Sorry, I, I don't have my system set up to t- put people on hold. So um, actually, I could have put you on hold, but I didn't realize it in time. But along the lines of what Don is saying, uh, Billy points out the Second Amendment does not grant us the right to keep and bear arms. The Second Amendment denies the government the authority to infringe upon our right to keep and bear arms. And I think that's a very poignant observation. Uh, and I agree a hundred percent It is I've, I've used this language in the past that it is a one way separation, uh, that is directed towards government and not the other way around, not that gives power to government to deny us of our God-given rights. So, yeah, and just like Don said, I like that approach. Like, show me in the Constitution where you have the right to violate our right to keep and bear arms, like, or to restrict it or to, uh, you know, put conditions or liens on it. You don't have that right. It doesn't give you one. Um, What types of guns should we be buying between now and the time they implement this. I would highly recommend Bird Runner that you get whatever long gun that you want to get. Um, and I alluded to this earlier in the show, where does this leave me as the licensed gun shop um, when I said in response to HD 4420, I will not comply. And I meant that 100%. Because that was a new line that could I couldn't have continued to exist in business with that law should it have been in you know uh, passed. So I said I won't comply. I'll just I'll just ignore all the laws you've passed until I get shut down or arrested or both or whatever thrown in jail whatever the case is. Uh, because the alternative is me going out of business anyway, 
and I'd rather go out of business for the right reasons than the wrong reasons. I have always said I'm a very reasonable person, and I figured it was better to be in the fight and be relevant and be effective and be able to point people in the right direction and make changes over time by challenging unconstitutional law. And then HD 4420 changed all that. They couldn't, I couldn't do that. I couldn't continue to stay in business with my overhead and my staff and everything based on what they were trying to do. The Senate version of it is, let's see what the final bill is and I'll make that decision then because if I can continue to be in business and still make changes and still be an advocate and still be uh, able to influence people and point them in the right direction, that's always what I'm going to do. If it comes to the point where business is impossible and I'll cease to exist just on the nuance of trying to comply with the law, the unconstitutional law, then I won't comply. Um, so I have a decision to make after seeing what the final version and its impact upon my business is. Under no circumstances will I ever turtle up and say, oh, I like this law and this law and this law, and we should comply with it. No, I'm always going to say we should oppose and we should vigorously uh, challenge every unconstitutional law that is passed, even if it means I have to comply with it in the meantime. And before people like jump down my throat and say, well, you said it's like, it's a different bill, right? Number one, number two, I'm not saying I like it or I, I comply with it because I think it's a good bill. I am saying I would comply with it to stay relevant, to stay in business and to continue to provide jobs for my employees and an income for my family all the while trying to reverse it and challenge it and be a plaintiff or, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll do whatever I, it takes. And we all do that. There's a lot of us that say shall not comply as we're filling out a 4473 or as we're holding our gun with a suppressor on it that has the tax stamp as we show our license to carry at the counter to buy our next gun. So we're all complying with unconstitutional laws that are there and so that we can partake in the right, if you will, while we're trying to undo the wrongs and we're trying to claw back our rights. So if as long as I can stay in the business and relevant, I'm going to do what I got to do to to stay in business and stay relevant. So hopefully that clears that up. But I don't mean in any way, shape or form that we should um, that we should be okay with it. And like, we shouldn't have even got to this point because we should have been not okay with it 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and done something about it. But the incremental change over time, the evolution of gun control, it was done as micro evolution, not macro evolution. So it wasn't 
quantum leaps. It was the little nuance that we learned to live with along the way. And that's been the problem is we fall asleep at the wheel and the camel nudges its nose under the tent. And it's just common sense gun control. How many more, Mr. Speaker? It's common sense. And we've like, oh, geez, I can't believe they passed another bill that, you know, puts more restriction and requirement on me. But all the while, the criminal, you know, he might get charged and then the revolving door justice system cuts him loose, gives him six days in federal pen or in, in custody for time served while being a thief and illegally selling guns. So anyway, that's what I would like to clarify. And I'm not at all turtling up and saying, oh, this is a good law. We got to comply with it. No, I'm saying let's legally and financially challenge it to claw back our right to keep and bear arms so that we can make changes. And the good news is the winds are coming at a faster pace than ever before since I've been a gun owner in the past 30 years. So um, the bill number was S2572, U.S. Grant, S2572. And that's the amendment to H4139. I did not see Mike Glover's video on the recent bill. Dave, I will have to look at that. And uh, let's see, Governor Maura Haley on Wednesday nominated Gabriel Wolohan, a state appellate judge and the governor's former longtime romantic partner, to an open seat on the Massachusetts Supreme Court. Ah, interesting. Uh, turning to a deeply experienced jurist, but one with whom she shares a long personal history. This is a blatant conflict of interest. Um, yeah, I think uh, you're probably right about that. But uh, it's it's probably nepotism, right? Um, yeah, who knows? What types of guns should we be buying in between now and when they implement this? Oh, so long story short, buy whatever long gun that you probably won't be able to buy if it passes because that... You know, I don't know if I'll be able to provide that service for you going forward. If, you know, there's, it seems like I'll be able to provide, still provide you with uh, semi-automatic rifles if the Senate version passes. The House version, no, I won't. And therefore, that's where I won't comply. But if I can still sell guns, I will. And uh, all that good stuff. We've been waiting a decade to get any kind of response from the Supreme Court. Uh, meanwhile, the political party in Massachusetts keeps pushing through new legislation that violates our liberty. Yes, you're right, Shane. However, I think um, there's two bills uh, or two challenges that will make it to the Supreme Court. Uh, one, I believe, is the Illinois assault weapons ban and mag capacity ban and the one that is sitting on ice at the Ninth Circuit in California. Uh, Justice Roger T. Benitez case, uh, his assault weapons ban case is eventually going to make it there. And that's the one that 
really, as Mayor Menino used to say, really fries my nose because he, that bill made it to the Supreme Court, was GVR'd, was granted cert. They vacated the Ninth Circuit's decision upholding the state law's assault weapons ban and remanded it back to them in light of Bruin to get it right under the Bruin mandate. So what did they do? They then took it, and the original decision was penned by St. Benitez, and they remanded it back to him and vacated his earlier decision, which used text, history, and tradition before the Heller and Bruin mandate. Well, maybe not before Heller, but before Bruin. So he had done the work, the legal work of text, history, and tradition, basically saying, you look to the text. If it's not in the text giving the uh, right to the government to restrict it, then the burden shifts to the government to prove there is a historical analog at the time of the ratification of the Second Amendment at 1791. This is what uh, uh, Don and Stoughton was talking about when he called. And the truth of the matter is, um, if they can they can point to taking away people's right to keep and bear arms when they used them for illicit purposes. And that is a situation that, you know, is up enforceable and upholdable, uh, but, or upheld, I should say. Uh, but there's nothing in the text history and tradition of the second amendment in 1791 that proves a, an assault weapons ban or any type of, ban on guns that are in common and ordinary use are legal. So anyway, uh, we've been over that a million times. So I would say uh, even though we've been waiting a while for a assault weapons ban case to get to the Supreme Court, I think it's closer than ever. And I think uh, according to what Mark Smith at the Four Boxes Diner said when we had him on the show, he thinks that the Illinois case will get there before the California case. I don't care which one it is. Just get them there, and uh, that'd be good. All right. Let's see. Um, is there a particular gun that I'd recommend uh, to a professional basketball club player that frequents gentlemen's clubs at 2 a.m.? Um I think I could recommend a uh, a therapist that might be able to help you. <laughs> uh, I don't know why the context of the question is so specific, but um, no, I, I probably would steer clear of that one. Can I explain the changes to assault weapon definitions? It seems to back two features, but need clarification. Yeah. Um, so in the Senate bill, there they don't they didn't expand on the features like the House bill reduced it from two features to one. That's why I say if the House bill passes, I won't be able to sell any semi-automatic rifles with a detachable mag because it'll have the one feature test. Anything else like a stock or a shroud or a you know any other evil feature and they expand on what that is like vertical foregrip, et cetera, et cetera. 
um, would all make it illegal. Um, but the Senate didn't knock it down a one feature. They stuck with the two feature test, but they added one called a barrel extender and uh, I think a vertical foregrip. So uh, they added one or two things. So it's crazy. Um, anyway, let's see. Uh, that's blatant equal protection violation 2016, 1994. Yeah, you know, there's all that ex post facto law too, which I'm no lawyer, but you can't, you just, you can't say, hey, a gun that you bought legally and lawfully now is illegal and turn it in. That's not a thing. Um, so they're not looking for safety. They're looking for that line where they have stepped too far so the rest of the states interested can follow in their lead. I think you're 100% right on that, G-Webs. Um, I said like the early on in this process, the whole country is watching Massachusetts. They are taking notes. They are um, really just uh, watching to see what they can get away with. And I think uh, if they get away with it, the rest of the country will follow suit in certain. That's why I say this is where the fight is, guys. We have to stay and fight in Massachusetts. So many people are like, that's it. Last straw, I'm moving to New Hampshire. Okay. And when Mass falls and New York falls and Maryland falls and California falls and every other state that's trying to ban guns falls, guess what? They're coming for New Hampshire. They're coming for Carolinas. They're coming for Arizona. They're coming for Nevada. They're coming for New Mexico. New Mexico's already on the map, right? It's already on the radar. That was a kind of purple state that is now flipping. And it's, you know, you look at Oregon. They already tried it on ballot initiative and it passed. But fortunately, a judge said, hey, you can't vote away your rights. So... That's good, but um, Ryan says, I live in Boston and turned in my LTC application on November 3rd. They say there's still no update. Is this wait time normal? And if it is not, what should I do about it? It is not normal. Um, well, I, I shouldn't say that. November, December, January, February, three to four months is probably normal. But you got to remember, after 40 days, you've technically been given a deny. So you need to start documenting when the 40-day period was up because you only have 90 days after a denial to appeal. So what I'm, what I'm getting at is uh, you're technically in denial stage right now. And so you won't be able to appeal that at day 130. So you got to really watch it. And granted, they're probably going to issue it anyway, but you also don't want to wait till the last minute. Like I would say, hey, it's been whatever, 90 days. Um, I would like to appeal my denial. And they'd be like, what are you talking about? You didn't get a denial. Well, no, actually I did because you're required by law to answer me in 40 days. So Ryan, what I would recommend is calling Keith Langer or um, Brian, I mean, uh, Jason Guida or Andrew Kucher. If you're in Boston area, I would say uh, 
probably Jason Guide is the closest, I would say. But um, call one of those guys, William Smith. Uh, they they would all be able to help you with this and start your appeal process if you know it continues to drag on. So as ridiculous as all this is. Unfortunately, those 600,000 aren't likely to wake up much if only 3% of them get behind goal. You might be right on that, ASD. However, if they got to turn in their guns or they're being ordered to turn them in, it'll wake up a lot of them. Uh, so uh, it also costs them zero to abuse the people of mass like this. They probably make money really there should be consequences for this type of abuse of their positions i agree i wish that uh there was a way for us to sue them for malfeasance and violating their oath of office um unfortunately they're just kicking the can down the street to the police who will lose their qualified immunity for enforcing an unconstitutional law um Let's see. <laughs> Shaquille O'Neal is sponsoring a gun buyback in Dallas, Texas. Unbelievable. Um, crazy. Well, hopefully uh, we had everything your heart desired when you were in the shop, Aaron. Uh, I appreciate you coming in and supporting us. Uh, let's see. Five minutes from his home. Uh, let's see. 70 people are watching only 37 likes come on guys smash that button <laughs> uh and it's funny because that's only 70 on youtube or whatever i'm i'm broadcasting right now to eight different platforms two youtube channels one facebook channel twitch x instagram uh telegram and rumble and by the way uh instagram i'm sorry i've been del uh kind of ignoring your questions i'm going to get to one comment on instagram because it's the second week in a row uh but club uh dina says cmmg mark four or sig spear lt um i would probably go with the sig spear lt although the cmmg mark 47 in 762 by 39 is in stock at my shop right now so that would be a uh, really great gun to, to get. So, and thank you, Christy. Cape Gunworks is the best gun shop and range in New England. Check it out, guys. And uh, will we still be able to build a rifle and purchase lowers after this bill? All depends on your, uh, all depends on your level of risk you're willing to accept. Um, and Kobiak says, my hard work is appreciated. I appreciate that. Uh, I feel like all I do is um, stand up for what's right. So I, you know, I don't consider it hard work. I consider it the work that needs to be done. Um, this bill, will it mean I can't ever purchase a pre-ban? No. I think both bills account for pre-94. Uh, so they are still considered pre-ban. The bill does codify the 94 assault weapons ban into law, which it's already in the law. So I don't know why they had to do that again. I don't know what the redundancy of it is. But 
the bottom line is um, it's the true ban, true pre-ban will be forever to be able to be had. Um, I shouldn't say forever. They're, they're, I'm sure if they could have got away with making the pre-ban world go away, they would. But it's so my biggest fear and is if some sort of the house bill passes and then they this legacy provision is the red herring right they say oh we're going to give you this grandfather bill so that you know you can continue to own the gun and uh you can even continue to sell it and trade it in at your local gun store and they can they can sell it and blah 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 so then people would be like oh that's great you know, and they'll really back off their level of interest. Um, and also that then they say, take it one step further, like Connecticut, because there's a huge record keeping uh, provision in this bill. And I don't know what that all means, um, but I have a feeling what that means is they're going to say, now you need to register your assault weapon on the assault weapon registry. And once it's registered, it can be part of the system, but it's always going to be an assault weapon. And only the guns that get registered can be bought and sold and traded. And it's just going to be one more level of, um, you know, infringement, if you will. Uh, so it, it's just a, that's Connecticut did something like that. And so anyway, uh, Rhode Island did do away with the grandfathering provision of magazines too. So there, uh, you know, I think all that falls in court, no doubt about it. DR says, I wish I was as optimistic as Toby in regard to the time it will take for this hideous bill to make it to Mora's desk and be signed. Well, I don't know if that's optimism or just reality of how long things take to get to get done. Um, I'll be speaking with uh, Representative Stephen Ixaros pretty soon about this and really get what he has to say about it and how the timeline as far as he's concerned. Uh, but I do think it's going to take time, uh, you know, to hash it out. There's a two different bills that just whatever. Um, so first, can I make the slide on my 365 XL for me left-handed. Uh, I don't know what you mean by that 2A, Fred. It is left-handed. Your slide's always left or right-handed. Uh, I don't know if you mean you want it left eject. Uh, never heard of it, if that's the case. But yeah, it'll work fine whether you're left or your right. And I'll have to check this out, KP. He's saying that Mark just Mark Smith just released a video on the the Vanderstock case is going to the SCOTUS. That'll be awesome. Um, let's see. Uh, why change a slider a barrel? Uh, Tolman for SCOTUS. Um, well, the only reason I would change a slider a barrel is to get better performance or make it look cool. Um, that'd be the only reason I would. Another good reason to change a slide would be to get an additional feature like a optic cut or, uh, you know, a compensator 
or uh, you know, again, the cool factor, the looks, et cetera, et cetera. But that's really what it comes down to. Um, let's see. Do you sell the Komatsu D355A dozers? <laughs> no, Dave, why would you think I sell dozers? Is that the one that was the uh, the kill dozer or whatever? Um, I forget what that that was. Maybe it was. But yes, you're right, Mike. That is the long game. Death by a thousand cuts. Uh, well, <laughs> Patrick, I think Patrick and Cockroach are, uh, are friends and they're trolling me. Uh, but um, yeah, anyway. Uh, well, thank you about that, KP. Every time I listen to one of these shows, I wind up donating to one of the gun law groups. Uh, that's what my intention is um, to really rally the you know course and rally people to do that. Um, I actually just got my renewal from Gun Owners of America today, and I will be renewing my membership. I'll probably become a life member of Gun Owners of America. Uh, the no compromise gun rights groups uh, group. And I really like their stuff. And uh, so anyway, Anne Marie said that her LTC took 10 months. They said it was due to COVID backlog. Yeah, that was the, you know, and that's a perfect example of how government infringement is really a denial of your constitutional rights. Because in Massachusetts, you need a license in order to partake in your right to keep and bear arms. So if they can't give you the license because of a health emergency or something, then you're being denied your rights. It's There's no other way around it. Um, and they should be charged with deprivation of your rights under Section... 242 of Title 18 of the U.S. Code. Last time it was $100 to FPC. I just sent $150 to SAF for lifetime membership and already a goal member and a lifetime NRA, albeit relatively useless to be NRA. I still got the sticker and the pin. Yeah, I'm a life member as well. And G-Web says it's 100% worth it and you're in good shape now that Wayne is gone. NRA will be back in play. I hope so. Um, so, Mello, this is a very good question. And it's one that I don't like to answer on the air. But the bottom line is, yes, it's legal. Um, and the reason it's legal is because the way that Smith & Wesson tests and adds their guns to the roster. If you look at what guns they add to the roster, then you'll see why this is 100% legal. So anyway, um, I wish more companies would test and add guns the way that Smith & Wesson does. Uh, how does the state know what you buy, build, or sell? Say you go to Cape Gunworks and build an AR, do they put us in their secret black book? Um, no, they don't put you in the secret black book. They put you in the EFA-10 registry which they don't consider a registry, even though it says registration right on the form. Um, so every time you buy, the only time we don't register a gun is if we sell a part, like a lower 
or a frame. That doesn't get registered because there's no way for us to do that. And the state, one of the things they're trying to fix in this bill is make it so it's illegal to buy and sell frames because they want to treat a frame as a firearm like the federal government does. Right now, a frame in the state's eyes is not a firearm. So you can buy a frame, build it into a gun, and then you register it when you're done. Uh, you have seven days once it goes bang. So um, I missed your comment, 500. I'm sorry. Let me try and find it. Uh, so anyway, that's hopefully clears up what I was talking about in the, uh, you know, as far as the, uh, I can't find it 500. So you're going to have to just re, uh, re comment. <laughs> GOA is next KP go do it. It's a good idea. Um, the general misconception is that any statute passed by legislators bearing the appearance of law constitutes the law of the land. The U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and any statute uh, to be valid must be in agreement. It is impossible for a law which violates the Constitution to be valid. Amen. And unfortunately, lawmakers don't understand that. They think they have a right to do something that they weren't granted as Don and Stoughton so aptly put out, uh, Madison wrote about it in his Federalist Papers. Uh, I think if you want to change a right, yes, you got to go to a constitutional Congress, right? And even then, you should be willing to fight to the death over that right and that you want to change and take away and infringe the way that our founders did. And again, I, I bring back, bring us back to that. Somebody pointed out on Twitter, I don't know who, but the founders didn't just die for the right to keep and bear arms. They killed for it. So think about that. They were willing to kill, die, and pledge their fortunes for the rights that we have today. So that's some powerful language. And meanwhile, these people get into Congress, they vote themselves a pay raise. That's usually the first order of business. And then they go on to make unconstitutional law that they require the enforcement agencies to enforce under duress because uh, they are basically putting themselves in serious harm or jeopardy by enacting a law uh, or enforcing an unconstitutional law. So we already covered that, but there's already a registry of mass. I know I've had to register several firearms, assault weapon and handgun. Yes, I'm not trying to disagree with that statement, but I think they'll come up with a new way of recording assault weapons. Can a six-beer MCX be made mass compliant? Yes, all the time. We do it all the time. That is not an AR-15. It is not an AK-47. It is not a Galil. It is not an FNFAL or a Tech 9 or a, any any other enumerated gun on the assault weapons ban. So you can definitely um, make those legal. Uh, 
uh, one thing I remember Nick Collins talking about was waiting for rulings that pertain to their new law before they passed it. Uh, he was referencing the red flag laws, but maybe the Vanderstock. Yeah, that's they they know about it. That's again the the whole malfeasance that we are talking about is the fact that they know a lot of these laws are probably going to be struck down and ruled unconstitutional. And yeah, they don't care. They'll pass it anyway. Just add another brick in the wall. The Vanderstock case is the ghost gun case. Thanks for clearing that up, KP. Uh, oh, referring to moving the slide catch to the right side. I don't know anyone who does that on the 365 XL. However, yeah, I don't know anyone who does that. Um, I would say since you're wrong-handed, learn to operate the slide on, slide stop on the left side of the gun. That's an administrative process. You don't have to worry about it if your life is in jeopardy in order to operate the gun. So, you know, I get it that some companies put it on the right side of the gun so that you can manipulate it with your thumb. Uh, but anyway, just something to think about because the slide catch is going to engage on an empty mag anyway. So really, you're just doing it when you administratively want to lock the slide back. And uh, Rob Pincus went into this when I had him on the show a few weeks ago. And the PD-10, the Avidity Arms PD-10 gun that he he developed, um, he said some lefties have developed the the dexterity and uh, with their index finger to push the slide stop up when they rack the slide. So, and some have said it's actually easier than using the thumb. Us right-handed people always use the thumb because that's the side it was on from day one. We don't really have that option to use the index finger. So anyway, just finished the GOA donation. Use Jared's link through his channel. He doesn't get anything from it, he said, but I watch his, constant, his content constantly and feel it's the right thing to do. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know... Whenever you have a sponsor of a show, like this, a sponsor of this show, for instance, uh, we have Vortex Optics, Federal Ammunition, and uh, the USCCA. They're looking for return on investment, ROI, right? So that helps Jared continue to keep a sponsor. Whenever someone uses the rapid fire link for the USCCA, that helps them make an intelligent decision on to whether to continue to sponsor my show. So the uscca.co forward slash rapid fire, anyone who signs up through that link, that really helps them continue the sponsorship of that show. So KP, that's a great way to go. And, um, you know, anyone who's not a member of the USCCA, I'll put the link here. It's us cca.co forward slash rapid fire uh, is a great way to continue to get support for the show. And all the support does is make it so I can continue to do the show. If, you know, airtime is not cheap, content is not cheap. I don't know if you guys know, but uh, just doing those like gun of the week videos, I pay 
about six hours to my videographer to do video and editing and packaging of that. And then I give a discount on the gun. But the point I'm trying to make is, you know, I'm, I'm upside down. I enjoy doing the content. I do it anyway. But, you know, after you pay a six hour bill, it's not cheap. And, uh, you know, that costs money. Everything I do for this show costs money. And so the only way you can continue to do it is to get sponsors. And the only way sponsors can, can justify doing it is if they see the return on investment. So that's awesome that you use that link, KP. Um, that's what needs to happen in order to keep good content coming out. Uh, <laughs> Dave Connolly, uh, it's funny you talk about us not giving up and moving to New Hampshire as I'm looking at houses in New Hampshire in another open tab. Oh, that's funny, man. Uh, stay and fight, Dave. Uh, stay and fight. Uh, all right, we're going to run through these. I got my first Glock. It's a Glock 22. It was a pain, but uh, it was time to for the old 1911 to retire and go in the dresser, and I have a new carry gun. I think you made a good choice, except... And I know you're gonna. It's gonna pain you to hear this. Five hundred. I would have gone with the twenty-three. I mean, uh, excuse me. I would have gone with the uh, seventeen in nine millimeter. But that's just me. Uh, I'm not a big forty guy. But I got tons of forty ammo. So if you need any, let me know. Um, should be only a unanimous vote to change an enumerated right. Uh, I disagree. Um, there, it, it's not a. You, oh, it should be a unanimous vote. I think it's got to be like three quarters of the Constitutional Congress, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. My daughter joined USCCA while she was there at Cape Gunworks doing a license to care class. Awesome. That's another great thing. Uh, we do get uh, a representative come in during our class and and give all the reasons why you should join. So that's that's huge. And that's one thing that's been great for us is they have been a great partner. Um, they come in every class and uh, explain to the people directly why they should be a member. Uh, let's see. All right. Well, I think we got them, got them all answered this time. That's amazing. Uh, it's been a while since I've got through all the comments and uh it's you know it's really important to chat with you guys you guys are awesome and uh i appreciate you more than you know i think that uh you know the second amendment community is probably one of the best uh peaceful patriotic uh noble people in the world um true patriots are you know just passionate caring people and uh i think that uh you know you're there for the preservation of your rights your kids rights and your grandkids rights is is a noble and uh worthy endeavor so Keep up the good work, guys. Don't take your foot off the gas, not even for a minute. Let's tell our politicians how we feel about their passage of unconstitutional legislation in the Senate and the House. Let's continue to support those that are fighting the fight. 
against tyranny. And uh, we will be back next week. Also, I'll be live on this Sunday on WXTK. So make sure you tune in there. You can check it out on the iHeartRadio app. I'll also try to stream it live like I've been doing the last few times. So, all right, guys, God bless. And I will see you next time. Thanks so much. Appreciate you.